0: Today's Bible reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. The Supremacy of the Son of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or... Or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. And of which I, Paul, have become a servant.
1: Uh, great to be with you again. And if you find it helpful, there's an outline in the leaflet you received as you came in. if you can have access to a bible it'll be handy uh <clears throat> or bring it up on your phone provide right, you don't uh you promise not to catch up on all your social media and text messages and things like that but uh it'd be great to have that in front of you the word of god let me uh, the part of the bible we're looking at i think is actually one of the most controversial bits in the whole bible interestingly enough i don't know if you felt that way as you were hearing it uh, but the reality is it is because it intersects uh with the way people think about life and what's important. So it's extraordinarily confronting and challenging, actually. So I'm going to pray that God will help us as we wrestle with it together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you that you speak to us clearly in your word. And what we ask is that you'll help us to hear it, but take it to heart. And really, as John was just saying, uh, asking you for, please uh, uh, stretch our Our hearts, our boundaries, our thinking about what life is about so that we might understand it properly and incorporate it into our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you uh, asked your friends uh, this question, what is the meaning of life? Uh, What sort of answers do you think you'd get? What is the meaning of life? And what would they say? Now. Quite honestly, probably they just look a bit sort of, you know, because it's not exactly the sort of conversation that comes up regularly in dinner conversations, is it? You know, how is your week? What's the meaning of life? It doesn't naturally follow most of the time. So I reckon you probably have to scale down the question uh, somewhat and say, you know, what's important to you? Or maybe what gets you out of bed in the morning? You know, something that actually triggers the sort of conversation that gets to the heart of what drives people's behaviours, and if you did that, I reckon you'd probably get a whole range of answers. You know, things like family. In Australia, when people are asked the question of what's important, family and relationships always jump right to the top. That's the same whether you're in a Christian church or not. That's that's a really high value. Or maybe to be health, or uh, job security, or in our current rising interest sort of space, financial security is a concern for people, uh, relationships outside of family. Um, the priority of making sure that I enjoy life as much as I possibly can, as long as I don't do that to the detriment of other people around me. You, you may get slightly more um, humanistic answers, you know, answers that look out a bit more. Uh, people might say things like, the goal of life is to love the people around me or to leave the world, you know, a better place than when I found it. You know, often people make those sort of re- responses. The thing is, when you turn to the Bible, uh, as I said before, it provides one of the most controversial and confronting answers to that question. I want to take you to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Now listen really carefully to what this says. For in him, that is Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible with the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Now, let me say just in that one verse, there's a huge amount to unpack, but I want to focus just for a moment on those last words, right? All things were created through him, that is through Jesus, but this bit, all things were created for him. You see, here, here's the meaning of life, and it's captured really sharply. You, me, every single person and creature on the whole planet, we have been created by Jesus, but not, not only by Jesus, I don't understand, for Jesus that's the reason for your life. That's the reason you are made. Your purpose in being created is to serve Jesus. Now, can I say that that is controversial for obvious reasons? Because at this point, that statement excludes every other god and every other religion on the face of the planet from having any meaning or purpose. It's an exclusive sort of claim. It's also incredibly threatening Because what you discover is life is not actually about me or actually about any other person, to be quite honest. That's not what life is about. It's not about our happiness or other people's happiness. It's actually all about Jesus. But then, of course, it it raises a question. Uh, At least I think it probably should raise a question. Because doesn't this sort of portray Jesus as being a bit sort of... uh, egotistical or <laughs> a bit needy. You know, the whole universe is created by Jesus so that everyone would think he is wonderful. It sort of seems a little self-focused at this point. If I was talking to a parent and they said, they're explaining the reason they had children, right? The reason I had children was because I, I really needed a bit of a fan club, you know, and so I had some kids so they could think I was wonderful, right? We would probably be just a little bit worried about that sort of statement and sometimes people say well that of course is different because after all Jesus is God and that gives him the right to be egocentric <laughs> even as you say you think well probably not really that's the question I'm trying to pull apart this morning and I think actually it is a bit controversial I've been working for many years with a guy called Jeff Lynn. Jeff works with, uh, or has worked with university students for decades. Often he sits down with students who are investigating who Jesus is. And they read a biography, one of the Gospels of Jesus. And at the start, Jeff says, I want, I want you to think about and out, try and answer two questions as we read through this biography of Jesus, right? First question is, who do you think Jesus is? Who do you think Jesus is? And the second question is, do you like him? Right? Who do you think Jesus is and do you like him? Friends, as we turn to Colossians 1 this morning, we get a mind-blowing answer to the first question, who do you think Jesus is? And I want to change the second question. I want to change it from, can you, sorry, do you like him? I want to change it to, can you trust him? Okay, so who do you think Jesus is? And can you trust him? Uh, can you trust him? Let's let's jump in. Who is Jesus? From verses fifteen to nineteen, uh, we get this pin portrait of who Jesus is. Verse fifteen: He's the Son. Uh, that is Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Uh, you know, people do talk about the unknowability of God. Or I've often had conversations. with People who said, "Yeah, well, show me God, and I'll believe." You know, because God is just a mystery. And the point being made here is that that's just not true. God is knowable. God has turned up. There is no mystery. When it says image here, it's talking about the presence of God. That's, That's the meaning of that word. Verse 19 says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That is Jesus. You see Jesus, you see God. Then it goes on and it says he is the firstborn over all creation and that's unpacked in these next couple of verses. Now some religions religions and sects, they say, well, Jesus is not God because he was the firstborn, he's the first creature made, therefore he's not God like Christians believe. Firstborn language is used twice in these uh, few verses and in the Bible, when it talks about firstborn, it's not referring to the order of birth, you know, I'm the third of four children born in my family. That that's who I was. I'm not talking about that. It's talking about the supreme authority over everything. And it's unpacked. Verse sixteen. In him all things were created. Now I want you to notice this is not confined to this world. It's also not confined to what you can see or touch. All things are mentioned five times in just a few sentences, and it includes heaven and earth. That's in verse 16. That is the whole universe. It includes those things that are visible and invisible, that is tangible stuff and spiritual stuff. Uh, Thrones, rulers and authorities. We're talking about Xi Jinping and uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, Putin. and before all things, that is, Jesus is eternal, verse 17. And then it goes on in verse 17, it says, in Jesus, all things hold together. The point being made here is that if Jesus withdrew from the universe, it, it, everything, every single one of us, we'd just cease to exist. (laughs) If he took his hand off us for a moment. That's just so contrasting with the way we view ourselves and humanity. I was listening to the radio this week and uh, an old love song by a band called The Police uh, came on. They recorded it a few years back, but it was a song I recognised. I reckon you probably remember the lyrics. Right? It's, uh, the title of the song is Every Breath You Take. Right? Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Now, I'm not going to try and sing it because it wouldn't help you recognise the song, but you you pick up the lyrics at this point, don't you? And of course, it's all about uh, a man's love for a woman and uh, the way in which he is totally watching over her and preoccupied with her. But friends, there is one who not only watches every step, move and breath, there is one who actually makes it possible to take every breath, take every move and every step. He's the one who actually makes it happen. Jesus, the one who monitors and makes it possible for your heart to beat. Well, maybe some of you, might, but you know, like it makes it possible for you to keep existing because He monitors every beat and makes it possible. Now, that is an extraordinary picture. I was was reading Forbes magazine. I don't get it regularly, but I was looking at an article in Forbes magazine that was published at the end of January. You might have heard this on the news. There was an asteroid. uh, It was called Planet U or something. I worked out uh, astronomers aren't very clever or creative in terms of what they come up with for names. So there was an asteroid that passed within 3,600 kilometres of planet Earth at the end of January, uh, it was the size of an African elephant. Okay, and they were just talking about the nature of the way in which these these planets move past the world with great frequency, and uh, the way scientists can observe this. Now, can I say scientists are extraordinarily clever, actually, in the way they can monitor the orbit of planets and predict trajectories of asteroids. But how different is it that Jesus is the one who controls the orbits and controls the planets and actually has his hand over the whole universe. He controls everything big, the whole universe, uh, but every breath you take, every move you make. And then in verse 18 it says, "He's the head of the church. So here we are, Trinity Church Woodcraft. Uh, this is not Collins Church, right? It's not the Trinity Networks Church, like there's association there, but it is Jesus' church. It's interesting when I talk to Christians, who will say they're Christian but they don't go to church and don't need to go to church uh, to be a Christian. Because ridiculous, isn't it, to think you could love Jesus and not love his people, the people he owns and has died for? Verse 18 he 's the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Again, the idea is that he rules over death. Je- Jesus is not the first to be raised from the dead. There happened numbers of times in the Old Testament. you go to John chapter eleven and you see there that Lazarus was raised from the dead. but this is that second firstborn statement, and what it speaks of is his supremacy not only over creation, but actually over death. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, unlike Lazarus, he never died again. That is, he smashed through death. He totally defeated it. And those who trust in Jesus, the death crusher, they know that he'll raise them to life as well. Every... Move you make, every breath you take, even when you die. He has all authority. Jesus has complete supremacy. That's who Jesus is. And uh, if you're like me, then often you operate in life with a way too small a picture of who he is and his absolute authority. But then I want to move on to the, the second question that I mentioned. That is, can you... Can you trust him? Can you trust him? So you might say, yep, I get it. Jesus is extraordinarily powerful and eternal. And that is amazing. But you, like me, you've all heard that saying, haven't you? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts corrupts absolutely. (laughs) So why doesn't it apply to Jesus? So you think of some of the most powerful people in the world right now. You have Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, you know, the Premier of China. I'm not filled with great confidence about these guys. and They've got enormous power, but I'm not that settled on the way in which they might plan to use that power or are using it at this present time. So here we have Jesus, is God, absolute and total power, verse 16, all things created by him. But remember, all things created for him. See, why, sh- why wouldn't they create a sense of nervousness because Jesus is so all about himself? See, why? Why not? These next few sentences they show that show that Jesus is not egocentric, but he actually uses his power with extraordinary, extraordinary self-giving love, only for the good of others. Right? Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. Uh, every single person in this room knows the horrible feeling when relationships break down. and We know the, the, often the, the closer the person is, the more agonising you find it the way you stew about it, the way you struggle to put it right, and often it just seems outside of your grasp. You know of families, maybe this is your family, where kids haven't talked to parents for years, or where uh, workplace contexts feel like a war zone and people take sides. That's the picture the Bible paints when it comes to our relationship with God. The Bible says every single one of us is giving God the finger. Right? Sometimes we do that sort of uh, subtly and politely, <laughs> politely, and sometimes it's much more aggressive in the way we push God out of the picture. How do you treat your enemies? I caught up with the pastor recently uh, outside of our Trinity Network, it just caught up for coffee because he wanted to just download because his church is going through this extraordinary split. It's been happening for months and months and months and he explained to me that, that there was one key person in the congregation who was driving this split and he just talked me through the whole scenario, what had happened and then I I, I said, how do you feel feel about that man? He said, I feel really angry. (laughs) Just really angry at what's been happening there. How do you feel when people treat you like rubbish and push you to one side? How do you feel? Yeah, do you mentally create a dartboard image of them and throw darts at it, you know, do you devise ways in which you can let them on their house or something? Never tell anyone, of course, but, uh, you know, like, what? How do you feel? How does God, how does God treat us when we turn our back on him? Well, verse 19. Through Jesus, God makes peace through his blood Shit on the cross. Verse twenty-two talks about reconciling you by Christ's physical body through death. Friends, we treat the God who doesn't deserve anything but the best, right? We treat Him so badly, and God responds with extraordinary grace. Jesus, God Himself all power and authority. He's made everything and everyone. He rules over it all and he turns up, enters our world and dies on a cross to restore us and the world in right relationship with God, to make peace between us and God. Friends, you you can trust someone who acts that way towards you no matter how powerful they are because you get the extraordinary grace and perfection of character that come together and is poured out for your benefit. You see, Jesus always exercised his power for your good, now and for eternity. Now, you can see why I said this is such a, a confronting part of the Bible. I think it's one of the most controversial parts of the Bible, not because it's hard to understand, uh, just because it cuts across everyone's world view, everyone's view of life. Jesus is the universal ruler. And if that is the case, then every other religion, um, every other god, just pretenders, they're all dust. Right? That In our day and age, I'm not saying we don't treat people with grace and tolerance, but the reality is... In our day and age, there's such a confronting truth. But it's the reality. Either Jesus made and controls the whole universe, or he doesn't. You've got one of two choices here. You know, uh, That's the statement that's being made. If Jesus is the creator of absolutely everything, then it's obvious he's the owner. That is, he has rights over everything he has made. I drove him my car. I go out, someone steals my car. I feel aggrieved. Right? Because it's my car. Well, everything's God's. He has rights over everything, including you and me. But that cuts across our natural understanding of life, isn't it? That is, we all tend to think about life being about me. But we belong to God. He has rights over us. See, I'm the boss of me. That is the philosophy of. Most Australians, not true. Jesus is the boss of me. So what's your take on Jesus? Uh, Who do you think he is? Do you think he's the one through whom everything was made and everything continues to exist? Do you think he continues to rule the universe and nothing escapes his hand? Do you see if that's true, how by the nature of things, you are so infinitesimally unimportant. (laughs) Listen to Psalm 8. And I consider the the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. What is humankind that you're mindful of them, human beings, that you care for them? Uh, Some of the men, I think, around... 20 or 25, went down to the Chapman Farm, right? Yesterday morning, I hear it a great time for people to get together down at Normanville. So, of course, this is Ben's farm. It's Sarah's too. Uh, ben is the lord of the manor. Sarah must be the lordess or whatever that, that is that goes with that sort of thing. Uh, he has authority over all that occurs within the boundaries of his property, right? That's, that's apart from the sheep. They don't listen to anyone, but... Uh, But here is the reality, in terms of the universe, Ben is just a speck on the face of creation. And when it comes to that that farm, he is a tenant under the authority of the Lord Jesus, who owns it. Friends, that's all of us. That's all of us. We occupy space by the grace and under the power and authority of God. How does that picture of Jesus shape your thinking about who you are? And then, of course, you have that picture coupled to the other side of it. Jesus himself enters our world and goes to a cross. And in that, we see the the love of God lavished upon us. And, friends, that gives you meaning and purpose understanding of who you are because it's all in relationship with God and if you trust in Jesus then you have security for all eternity verse 15 he's the firstborn of all creation verse 18 he's the firstborn from among the dead can I say no comet's going to fall out of the sky and land on your head apart from the fact that Jesus allows that to happen okay that is he rules over everything you have Absolute security living in this world as a follower of Jesus because you know the one who controls it. But also firstborn from the dead. You have security for all eternity. Um, A few years ago I had a cup of coffee with the then Archbishop of Adelaide. Now let me say I've uh, had four Archbishops of Adelaide in the time I've been the uh, Senior Minister of Trinity and I'm not telling you which one it was but... um, I caught up with him and he asked me in the course of the discussion uh, whether I was confident that when I died I would go to be with Jesus. Did I have confidence about going to heaven? I said, yeah, yeah, um, I'm really confident that's what's going to happen. And I remember he said to me, he said, that is so arrogant. Uh, That's such an arrogant statement. And uh, I said, no, 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 it's arrogant to think the opposite. And uh, that got us going. You can see we weren't friends, really, but uh, it it got us going in an ongoing discussion. And I said, it'd be arrogant to lack confidence because the Bible tells me that if I put my trust in Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, who has conquered death, then I too, because I'm trusting in him, can have absolute confidence of what Jesus has done by being raised from the dead. He will provide for everyone who trusts in him. So it would be extraordinarily arrogant for me to tell Jesus he is wrong, you see. So if you trust in Jesus, not yourself... See, the arrogance comes when you think you might get to heaven based on what you do. And then your question is insecure because you're not sure if you've done enough to get there. That's, that's religion. It's not, not, not about Jesus. See, what Jesus has done has provided you with absolute confidence as you live in this world and absolute confidence for all eternity because of what he has done for you on the cross. And when you put your trust in him... There is no more secure place to be for all eternity. That's the reality. No no, no sort of self-confidence, no arrogance, only uh, security. See, can you trust Jesus? All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. Yeah. little egocentric. Most of us um, scramble around for the meaning of life uh, for a sense of identity and purpose. Uh, Friends, the the Bible's answer to the question of the meaning of life is very clear. We've been made by God for a relationship with himself. And when you get the Lord Jesus, God himself, has come into this world to bring you into a relationship with himself. And when you entrust Himself, ourselves to him, uh, then you actually know the very purpose for your existence. Can you trust him? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I guess the question I want to leave you with this morning is, have you trusted him? And what shape does that take in your life as you think about who you are and where you're going? Let me preface, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that in Jesus your uh, fullness dwells and that he is the firstborn over all creation and the firstborn from the dead. And Father, we pray that those uh, twin truths will echo in our minds and hearts. We pray they'll echo there for eternity. Uh, that we'll live in this world not knowing necessarily what's going to be happening in the coming days, weeks or months, but secure because we serve the one who rules over it all. Our friends, uh, Heavenly Father, we know that for none of us, uh, we we know the day of our death or the hour of our death, and yet thank you that even in the face of that, we are extraordinarily secure because of your promises to us and because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead father we pray these powerful truths about the character and nature of jesus and will totally shape us in the present and every day we live in this world and every day we dwell with you for all eternity we pray it in jesus name amen